Father, we just come before you tonight. We thank you for this good midweek feeding of your word. We thank you, Father, that we value your word and we take great pleasure and delight in opening the pages of the B-I-B-L-E tonight. Speak to us through your word. Open the eyes of our hearts. Strengthen us with might tonight, we pray. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Uh, Go to James chapter 1, and uh, we notice in verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And uh, so the question would be is, how in the world can we do this? Well, verse 3 gives us a clue to how we can do that and why we can do that. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it worketh or it employs patience. Now, the reason, one of the reasons why we can count it all joy when we face different temptations, tests, and trials is because we've got inside information. And so we don't look at a test as a trial, as something that's going to bring, it, bring us down. We see it differently. We see it through the eyes that God has given us. We see it as another opportunity, praise God, to grow, to develop, to win, and to have victory in our lives. So, you know, don't get all bummed out when you go through a test or a trial. Don't think that, uh, you know, you're something special. You're special in God, but the things that you face are common to man. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And then he goes on to say, But God is faithful. Have you found out that your Father, your God is faithful? Then in the middle of a difficult situation, he said he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. That means that he's right there. And if he's right there in us and he's for us and he's with us, what difference does it make what comes against us? Amen? I like what Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, Paul went through a lot of difficult situations, but he said, in the midst of all of these things, I'm still more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Say that with me real strong tonight. I am more, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, I am still more than a conqueror through him that loves us. Don't forget, forget this very important point. The, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what season you're in, no matter what test you may be going through, God is for you. His love will never give up on you. Amen? Amen. So that's great news. So he says, so count it all joy when you fall into these different things, knowing this, that the testing of your faith, what it does, it employs or it works patience. And so your faith is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. It's, it's going to go through the fire. You're going to go through the fire. You're going to go through some time trials, some time uh, situations. How many of you know that time will test our trust? Time tests our trust. And so, but, you know, when you come out the other side and you come through it, praise God, it's like you've got some genuine faith going on. And we'll bear that out in a scripture a little bit later. So, we should be interested in this. We should be interested in this. 
It, why? Because in verse 4 it says, But let patience, allow patience to have her perfect work, that you may perfect, be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, when you're wanting nothing, that sounds like Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm glad David didn't say, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm full of want. No, David said, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think about that. You shall not want for joy because the Lord's the strength of your life. You shall not want for peace because He is your peace. Amen. And so he said here in verse 4 again, But let patience, or allow patience, to have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now there's something about exercising patience. When you exercise patience, it will grow stronger. And so practice it in your daily life. You know, since we started this series, I think a couple of weeks ago, the next day I had several errands to run, and it seemed like every place I went, I hit a roadblock. <laughs> every place that I would try to get something done, I just couldn't seem to get it done. And so I just kept saying to myself all day long, through faith and patience, I inherit the promises. I went to this place and it didn't work out. I went to another place and it didn't work out. But I just kept on moving like that little energizer bunny through faith and patience. Ultimately, I finally got done what needed to get done. Amen. And then even on the way to work tonight or on the way to church tonight, we go the back way. We don't go the freeway. But we hit every light wrongly. Every light wrongly. And so I thought to myself, you know what? This is common to man. This is common to man. And through faith and patience, Mark, you will inherit the promises. And so, so take time to develop that. Think about that during the day. When you run into a situation that is not quite going the way that you would want it, just know that ultimately things are going to turn around and that through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises. Quite a few definitions we've already given for patience. One is cheerful endurance. Another one is long-spirited or to abide under. And so when we're walking in divine patience, it's not just one of these hang in there, baby, and just be patient. You know, in a few more days, it'll all be over. No, when we're really operating in biblical patience, we're operating in perseverance. We're operating in endurance. And we are operating in a cheerfulness with a... Uh, a sight of the end in mind. With a smile on our face, we know that God is working. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now look over at Hebrews chapter 3, and I want you to notice uh, verse 14. Hebrews the third chapter, and the 14th verse. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we are made, excuse me, partakers of Christ... If, so here's the condition, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto what? How many of you know there's a beginning of your faith, but there's also an end of your faith? And so between the, the amen and the here it is, there's some other forces of life that we need to employ into that situation. And one is patience. We will be partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfastly unto the end. Amen. Amen. 
Now go over to Hebrews chapter 6 and notice with me a verse we've looked at before. And I want to kind of take it from a little bit of different point of view tonight as we, we talk about faith and patience. In Hebrews the 6th chapter, and we notice a very important verse here concerning patience. He says that you be not slothful or be not lazy. Okay? So, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of lazy Christians. You know, they start out like a house on fire, but when things get tough, you know, they just give up. They grow weary and well-doing, and it's just easier to kind of go with the flow and just kind of quit. But that's not us. Oh, amen. amen. I said, that's not us. Amen. So it says that you be not slothful or lazy, but now followers of them who through faith and patience do what? They inherit the promises. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, I wonder, is it important who we follow? Is it important who we follow? And I think we're going to talk about that a little while tonight. Can you handle it? All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And notice with me in verse 1. Don't want to get too heavy with you tonight, but this is really important stuff here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And notice with me in verse 1. So we're talking about that we are not to be lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, their life shows us that they accomplished something. Their lives show us that not only did they operate in faith, but they operated in patience and they got somewhere. They got something. In other words, they have something to show for their lives that's worthy of following. Amen? And uh, so... We need then to be very careful on who we follow and what we follow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am a follower of Christ. The Apostle Paul would never encourage people to follow him unless he was following Jesus. Paul is saying, as long as I'm following Jesus, you can follow me because I'm following hard after him. Was Paul's life worthy of following? Was Paul a spiritual influencer? Was not the apostle Paul a spiritual father, if you will? So he said, so follow me as I follow Christ. We could say that the Apostle Paul was tried to the max in journeyings often, in fastings often, in perils in the sea. Thrice was I stoned, in perils among false brethren. A messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, not buffet me. Because of the abundance of the revelations I had, there was given to me this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan, to stop the revelation from coming forward. And he said, Lord God, I beseech thee, help! 
The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul got it. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Amplified said that the glory of God may pitch a tent around me. I want to follow a man like that. I want to follow a man who said, I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul is worthy of following, but it's because he followed Jesus, because he followed Christ. And he had ample opportunity to quit, but he didn't quit. He just kept moving, and he just kept going in the plan of God. And I want to encourage you tonight, don't you quit. Whatever the plan of God is for your life, follow it with all of your heart. So he says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We have established this fact that it is very important who we follow. Our influences are affecting us more than we realize. The people that you follow... The people that you fellowship with, the people that you commune with, have a greater influence on your life than you probably realize. And if I had time tonight, I could show you this. I'm going to just put it out there. I don't know if I have time to get into it to its full degree tonight. But this becomes very true once those people are removed you realize just how much they influenced your life. Okay? Just food for thought. Now, whatever you follow, whoever you follow is what you will find. Because if you're following someone that is going somewhere and they're going to the bar, you can end up at the bar. If you're following closely someone that is going to the mall, you can end up at the mall. If you're following someone that is going after God with all of their heart, you will follow suit and go with, after God with all of your heart. Amen. Whatever and whoever you follow is what you will find and it is also what you will partake of. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Say it with me, through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises. I'm not lazy, but I'm following them who get their needs met. Amen. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, he says, Be not deceived. Evil communications, what do they do? They corrupt good manners. That word communications basically deals with fellowship. It also carries with the thought of sharing. So he's saying, don't be deceived. Whoever you follow, whatever you share in, whatever you fellowship with, if it's evil, it will corrupt your character. Okay? Now, the Amplified says it like this. Don't be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships... 
communion and associations corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Is that true or is that true? Now, we know this for sure, that there are all sorts of influences all around us. And these influences are vying for our time. They're vying for your attention. How many of you have a a personal computer at home? You'd be on the computer and you get these little pop-ups. You got to be aware of those pop-ups. Because sometimes they don't pop up good stuff. Amen. So I got myself a Mac so I don't get no (laughs) pop-ups. Amen. No pop-ups on my Mac in Jesus' name. No viruses on my Mac. Now, there are things both awesome, both great, both good, and both bad out there. It's a spiritual law. Listen very carefully. This is spiritual law. That whatever I fellowship with, whatever you fellowship with, whatever you commune with, you partake of. You know, people that say, well, you know, I can, I, can, I can do this and it doesn't hurt me. You're deceived. I can, I can watch all that violence and I can watch all that and hear all that cursing, hear all that cussing and it doesn't hurt me. You're deceived. Whatever I fellowship with, whatever I partake of, Whatever I behold, I will become. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I pray that this isn't too strong for you tonight. Because it might get stronger before we're done. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 13. And notice with me in verse 20. Here's a spiritual law, spiritual principle, again, in the Word of God. It says in in Proverbs 13, 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be stupid. Uh Uh-uh. No, you walk with wise men, and you follow wise men, you're going to get wise. But, of course, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Amen. So it's, it's our choice. We can follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We can follow those that are wise. And we can share in and have communion with and partake of what they have on their life. Amen. Amen. It's kind of like eating at the same table. And not a restaurant where you can order all sorts of different types of foods and, you know, one person may be, you know, having uh, a a steak and shrimp and the other person might be having chicken marsala and the other person might be having, who knows, you know, salmon or something like that. But I'm talking about going to a place where all of the same food is on the table and everyone is partaking of the same food. The taters are over here. The green beans are over there. And I'll say this for Brenda because she loves us. The chicken fried steak is over there. Yeah, there. I can remember going to an Amish farm outside of Oklahoma one time and we were down there for one of our regional directors meetings. And I'm telling you, those Amish farmers know how to cook. The bread was delicious. 
And there was about 25 or 30 of us there. We were at the same table, and we were partaking of the same food. We were sharing the same food. We were passing the plate. So at the end of that meal, we could say that we were full of the same thing. We were full of green beans. We were full of mashed potatoes. We were full of fried chicken. Come on, somebody. That's great, and that's awesome. But how many of you know that there's a lot of places we ought not to go? There's a lot of people that we shouldn't be in fellowship with. Because quite frankly, if we fellowship with the wrong kind of people, we will partake of the same spirits that they partake of. And how many of you know that people in the kingdom of God have the Holy Spirit, but people outside of the kingdom of God don't have the Holy Spirit? And so people outside of the kingdom of God often do unholy things. And if you fellowship with them too closely, that unholy thing will get on you and become a part of your life. And even spirit-filled Christians can partake of unholy things. So you have to be very careful when you choose your companions. You have to be very careful who you follow. Because whoever you follow is going to lead you somewhere. Okay? That's all I'm saying. But it's spiritual law. So he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, how many of you know a church is a good place to hang out? I mean, it's the same thing. person comes in here, they may not be born again. Next thing you know, they're at the altar. Why? Because they're hanging around. They're hearing the word. They're partaking of the same thing. And next thing you know, they're in the healing line. They're getting healed. Next thing you know, they're talking in other tongues. They're partaking of the same spirit. The Holy Spirit. How many of you know that there is something called the spirit of faith? There are those in the body of Christ that I have what I would call the spirit of faith. And there are those that are in the body of Christ that are wonderful people, they're great people, they're very loving people, but when it comes to the spirit of faith, they don't have it. Now, I'm going to associate with those people, I'm going to love those people, but I'm not going to follow those people closely. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to follow those who through faith and patience are inheriting the promise. How many of you know we've got some place to go? We've got some things to do while we're here on earth. We don't want to let doubt to keep us out of what God has got for us. Amen. I like the company that I keep. I love the fact that the company I keep have the Spirit of God on the inside of them and the Spirit of God upon them. And the company that I keep, if I get in trouble, I can call up people in my company and I'm going to say, I need prayer. And my company will surround me with prayer. Amen. 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 Everyone needs a good company. Yeah. It's like the disciples, when they were let go, after that man at the gate beautiful had been healed and they were taken into question, they were commanded not to teach or to preach anymore at all in the name of Jesus. And when they were let go, the Bible says they went into their own company. And their own company lifted up their voice and they prayed heaven down to earth. And they got some answers. Amen. Now, Lord, do you want me to go any further with this or not? I'm just not so sure we ought to go there tonight. 
I think we'd better wait another time for that. Seriously. So let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. That's, that's enough for that right now. Okay. That's enough for that. I love the key influencers in my life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great... What? It has great recompense of reward. Does it pay to have faith in God? Verse 36, For you have need of... Look at your neighbor and say, You really need it. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive what? The promise. Galatians 6 says this. Ladies and gentlemen, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season. How many of you know that due season is most of the time later than you want it to be? In due season... You will reap if what? If you faint not. So then fainting then is an enemy to our reaping. Fainting is an enemy for us to enter into our due season. But thank God there's a cure for being faint. Amen? Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, notice with me in verse 28 through 30 couple of scriptures just pop out in my spirit. Psalm 27, I would have fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Another one in the book of Proverbs where it says, you know, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, right? In other words, if you faint when the test, the trial comes to take you out, if you faint in that day, your strength is small. Again, Galatians says that we will, we will reap in due season if we faint not. So what we want to do is keep ourselves from fainting. I love this. In Isaiah chapter uh, 40, and we notice in verse 28 through 30, and if you could pull that up for me, that would be awesome. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, He gives power to the faint. Thank God He gives power to the faint. Amen. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't faint. He's not weary. Aren't you glad he's not? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And them that have no might, what does he do? If you're faint tonight, if you're weak tonight, he gives power to the faint. I'm going to try this section over here. He gives power to the faint. He's not weak. He's not fainting. And he will give you an infusion of grace, an infusion of power. During your time of test and trial, he will infuse you with Holy Ghost power. And then that have no might. You ever been there? Where you feel like you, some days you just could hardly put one foot in front of the other? I had a day like that today. I went home last night after work and I was so tired, I wanted to go to bed at 7 o'clock. And I did. I got up at 8 and 8. But I slept and today, you know, I, it's just it's like, wow, you know, Lord, help me. I need more sleep. I need more rest. 
So what did I do? I went and worked out for an hour and a half. Because I'm not laying down under a spirit of weakness. Amen? He gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, He, in, he will increase your strength. But you've got to know how to draw from it. You've got to know how to draw from it. Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary. But, and the young men shall utterly fail. But let's read verse 31 together. This is us, right? I said this is us, right? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run, not be weary. They'll walk. They that wait upon the Lord. They that tarry upon Him. They that bind themselves together to Him. They that worship Him. They that take time to fellowship with Him. You see, we talked about who you fellowship with. You will partake of the same thing that they have. If you fellowship with him, here's what happens. You exchange your strength for his strength. And he will renew you just like the eagles. Say it with me. He's renewing my youth just like the eagles. So don't be weary and well-doing. If you're using your faith, you're doing well. Amen. You're in church tonight. You're doing well. Your due season's coming. Don't allow yourself to grow faint-hearted. Now, let's look at First uh, Peter chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 7, we talked about the trial of our faith a little bit. Let's talk about that just a little bit more tonight. In First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, notice this with me. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than, than of gold that perishes. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What this is saying is that faith is precious and that when Jesus comes back, real faith will be honored. But did you know that real faith is not very common? The Amplified says this, he says that the genuineness of your faith may be tested. Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, is revealed. Still another translation says this. These trials are only to test your faith. To see now whether it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. Hallelujah. It's precious to Him. So if you, Now listen. So if your faith remains strong, say it with me, my faith is remaining strong. He says, so if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials. I know what you're thinking today. I don't want any more tests. I don't want any more trials. I've had enough. 
You will never stop having them until you're out of here. One person came to Brother Hagin one time and says, Oh, pray for me that I never have any more trouble with the devil. He said, You want me to pray that you'll die? So if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of his return. Now, I love what the message translation says. If we could pull up the message in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, and, and we'll see this in a, in a way that uh, I think will help you. He says this, Pure gold put into the fire comes out of it prove pure everyone say genuine faith genuine faith put through this suffering comes out and it proves to be real in other words when you don't throw in the towel when you don't quit when you're tempted just to roll over and play dead you hold on to God and you say Lord I trust you in spite of what's happening It'll be proved genuine. And when Jesus wraps this all up, and by the way, he's coming soon. It's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display. Not for your personal praise, but as of evidence of his victory. It's evidence of his victory. Hallelujah. When you get a breakthrough, when you stand strong in the middle of the test, hallelujah. It's evidence that he is the victorious one. He has given us the victory. Amen? So I thought that was pretty good. So real faith will be challenged with fire. And real faith will be challenged with time. But when you stand strong, it will come out pure and shining. Pure and shining. Now I want to share with you another principle before we go home tonight. And this is important because it has to do with faith and patience. And that is this. There's a scripture in the Bible, in Isaiah. I can't tell you exactly where it is, but I can quote the last part of it. And it says this. It says, he that believeth. We got believers in the house tonight? Okay, that's about three quarters of you. One more time. We got any believers in the house tonight? I think we do. Amen. But there's a verse in the Bible that says, He that believes shall not make haste. He that believes shall not make haste. He will not be hasty. How many of you know that strong faith endures, but weak faith quits? You do know that the nature of your flesh is impatient. I mean, to the flesh, wait is a four-letter word. To the flesh, wait is a four-letter word. Now, when folk become impatient, it can cost them a lot. I heard of a, of a pastor that had an associate that had, had left, and he really kind of left outside of the will of God, and he came in and he told the pastor that he was leaving, that God told him to leave. You know, when anybody comes to me and says, well, God told me, I can't say anything about it because I'm not going to argue with God, even though I know God didn't tell them. They're just going to have to learn those lessons on their own. 
Because if I told them that God didn't tell them, and they said, yes, he did tell them, you've got a fight on your hand, and I'm not going to strive with anybody. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But um, many people have what we call the MTF syndrome. You know what MTF is? MTF is moving too fast. <laughs> the moving too fast syndrome. See, he that believeth shall not make haste. Well, this pastor was just on the verge of buying his associate pastor a brand new home. And he says, but he doesn't know it. He left too early. He was moving too fast. See, there's a lot of people in churches that are moving too fast. They want to move to another church. They want to move to another city. Things aren't happening fast enough, so they move on to another place. And then they get to another place and they find out that, well, things aren't happening too fast there either. And I'm not talking about anybody in here tonight, so don't, don't misunderstand me. But I've had, I've had people that I know that have moved out beyond the Spirit of God's leading and it costs them. MTF, moving too fast syndrome, can cost you something. I'm telling you something. Serving God, there's a sacrifice to it. And if you can't stay put long enough to make the sacrifices and to serve and to honor God, not honor a man, not honor pastors, but to honor Him, and you're moving too fast, you'll miss God. People have lost their lives moving too fast. People got to get home syndrome. Got to get home. People have had to get home and gotten their plane and crashed because of weather situations. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody, and I'm not talking about any specifically that you know, but it's very costly. He that believeth shall not make haste. Don't be too quick. Wait upon God. Be sure-footed in your decisions. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And he will direct your paths. I trust this isn't too heavy for you. If folks sometimes could just stay steady. Stay steady. See, the enemy wants to move people oftentimes right before their miracle. Right before their biggest breakthrough. He wants to get them antsy. And out of the will of God. Let me show you a couple of examples in closing. Turn quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Say it with me through faith and patience. I'm going to inherit the promises. Now Samuel has given Saul some directions and he gave him specific directions, but Saul got antsy. In verse 5 it says, After that thou shalt come to the hill of God where the garrison of the Philistines are. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and tabret, and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and thou shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Now verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 10 says this, and thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee. Did Saul tell Samuel, or did Samuel tell Saul he would come to him? Yes. Absolutely. And 
Basically, when I come, I will offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou what? In other words, seven days thou shalt wait. You shall wait till I come to thee and will show thee what you shall do. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel also was had an abomination with the Philistines, and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is upon the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward to Beth-haven. Don't, don't bother with it. First Samuel. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people hid themselves in caves and thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was not yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So if, if we, I've lost you, let me just give you the capsule of the story here. Saul told Sam, or Samuel told Saul, go to Gilgal. I'll be there in seven days. Wait. Wait. Well, he waited, and Samuel didn't show up. So Saul took it upon himself to bring a burnt offering to the Lord and peace offerings when he was not even supposed to be giving offerings. That was Samuel's responsibility. And the Bible said that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, Samuel showed up. And Saul went out to meet him. That he might salute him. Basically, he got antsy and he missed God big time. Listen, friends, when you feel pressure to do something, you got to do something, you got to do something, you got to do something. That's an indicator that the enemy is pressuring you to miss God. And that you very well could be on the brink of a great miracle. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, that you came not within the days appointed, the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. How many of you know that pride makes excuses, but humility will always make adjustments? And so basically, Samuel told Saul, your kingdom is stripped from you, all because he got antsy. Now, in closing, go to Exodus 24. Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me in the mountain, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stones and a law and commandments, which I have written, that you may be able to teach them. Moses rose up as minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Ur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the, into the mount, and a cloud covered the mountain. How many of you know the glory was there? Yeah. Everyone say it with me real strong. The glory was there. In verse 17, it says, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on top of the mountain, the eyes of the children of Israel. Moses went into the midst of the cloud, got up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron 
and said unto him, Up, make us gods. Don't you know Satan was telling them, You've got to do something. He's probably not coming back. Which should go before us. For as for this Moses, that's disrespectful, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not that has become of him. In other words, we've got to do something. And if you track out the rest of that story, they made themselves idols. They built themselves gods. It really angered the Lord. It angered the Lord. They were moving way too fast. Too fast syndrome. Now, in closing this tonight, how many of you know that Jesus is coming soon? The Bible says, be also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draws nigh. But we know that there are scoffers. There are people saying, where is he? He's coming, huh? I thought he was coming in that generation. I was thought he was coming twenty. I thought he was coming in 1988. I thought he was coming a couple years ago. Scoffers. But we hold fast to the fact, and we know that he's coming. I said he's coming. We know that the trumpet's going to sound. The Lord's going to descend from glory with a shout. Come on, somebody. He is coming. And we're patient about it. And we're in faith about it. What I want to say to you tonight is do the same thing in every other area of your life. Be as strong on your healing, on your prosperity, as you are the second coming of the Lord. He is coming. Your healing is happening. Your debt freedom is coming. The Bible said this, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it plainly upon tablets, that everyone who passes by may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it happens to the end fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint, though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behind hand as the appointed day. So he's saying, wait expectantly. How many of you know there's some things just don't happen until they're ready? So it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. Stand up, everybody. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We give you glory. We give you praise. And we honor you tonight. We thank you, Father, that we endure, hallelujah, till the end. We patiently endure because we walk by the word of God and not by sight. Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.